Hello, my name is Taylor Clement. I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Reagan Taylor, the director of communications. And today we are going to go over our survey results. We sent out a survey this summer, didn't we? We did. We did indeed. And some may say that there were quite a few questions, but just know that that's paired back from quite a few more questions we had added to it originally. Yeah. Um, and by we, she means her. Um, <laughs> Reagan did, I don't know, I think we had, what, 50-something questions? We did, which is just too much. It was, but uh, it, it was great questions. It was great feedback. We know that um, the, those of you that filled it out, it, it, it really proved invaluable. We're going to go through that. We're going to be really honest about some of the things that you said. And I felt like it was it was incredibly helpful f- for us. Um, it was. It, it really was. Yeah. Just to back up, the goal of this survey wasn't to just have an end of the year sort of simple feedback situation. We really were intentional with these questions and the survey because we're always seeking ways to improve at Kirk Day School. Um, and we want to have that partnership with these parents. So this survey, we took it really seriously and we were encouraged by it and got great feedback and we're excited to go through it. Yeah. And I would say missionally speaking, we partner with Christian parents to nurture covenant children, educating them in a Christian world and life view. Mm-hmm. And thus our mission statement goes on, but I won't belabor that at this. Mm-hmm. But the first thing is that we partner with Christian parents and it's tough to partner with Christian parents if we're not getting feedback yeah, from, from exactly, these parents. Yeah, exactly. And you never know how a survey is going to go. You know, you could open the door to harsh criticism. Um, but in this case, I felt personally like it was overwhelmingly positive. What do you think about it? Yeah, um, it, it was positive. I, I l- l- let me do this. Let me ask you, <laughs> how did I respond when you said, hey, Taylor, we need to be sending out the survey? Um, you can I be think honest. There was, I think there were a little, there was some apprehension because some. maybe some nerves. Um, you know, it's scary when you just open the door um, to feedback, but the way that the survey was structured, I think, was a helpful guide and tool to think about very specific topics. Well, yeah. Um, and I would say, you know, it's it's interesting as a head of school, like there's so much joy in the position, but there's also a lot of um, feedback that I get that I don't want. Um, sometimes it's things that people are like, hey, you should be doing this. And it's like, I don't know why we need to be doing a program with NASA for our pre-K mm-hmm. kids. Like, it's not always the, the easiest thing to, to implement versus, you know, the things that, that are going well. And I feel like this this really highlighted both. I was nervous about it just because a lot of things that I get um, usually are, are, are bigger problems. Mm-hmm. And so to see more holistically mm-hmm. the things that were going well and the things that parents appreciate about the school was one of the most encouraging things I could have had. And so that it was great. Yeah, it was great. And yeah, it just, it gave us a better picture of what we're doing well to continue doing, but it also gave us um, some ideas of where we can improve. Um, and, you know, you can't improve without getting feedback. So it was a good chance to be open to that um, and hear from the parents. So we can get right into it. We yeah. can stop talking about it. And and yeah, well, actually let, talk about it. Let's get into it. Now, I'm going to say this. So I'm going to quote uh, a, a, a group, uh, Lynn Swainer and, and a guy named Andy Wolf. Uh, they've written a book. It's a great book uh, called Flourishing Schools. And in the book, though, as we get ready to talk about this, and they, they talk about just the purpose of Christian schools. They talk about why we exist, what we're doing to exist. And one of the things that they really call out is that Christian schools and Christian parents have a shared responsibility for these covenant children. 
It's a shared responsibility. And one of the things that they say is we have to cultivate partnership with families that must go, uh, partnership rather, that goes beyond a suggestion box or even a parent volunteer organization to gathering in-depth feedback, involving families in decision-making and resolving conflict in healthy ways. And, and I really was encouraged to read that. Now, I read this before we got our survey results, mm-hmm. just to be abundantly clear. But it was really assuring when we got that back because our parents are going to be helping us in some of this decision making and, and things that we're doing in the future. But it is more than just, hey, give us your kids. We'll, we'll put some knowledge in their heads mm-hmm. and then send them away. Or, hey, give us your kids and we'll, we'll make them memorize some Bible verses and we'll, we'll check the religion box. There's a depth here that, that goes in, in the shared responsibility for covenant children um, that, that was really exciting uh, to see that a lot of our parents really understand that's what we're doing and that that was empowering to to do what we want to do and do it to it the best of our ability yeah so if you didn't do the survey broadly it was broken down into certain categories security faculty teacher communication mission and vision things like that so um in this podcast we're going to go through those categories and just kind of discuss some of the broad themes um and respond to them so one of the most positive sections of the survey was security. Oh yeah. Parents seem to be thrilled with security and um, yeah, how we handle it, which is encouraging because we take that incredibly seriously. Right. I don't think we can stress that enough. Um, do you want to talk about some improvements we're making? Yeah. On top of what we already have going? Yeah. So I, I'm going to be a little cryptic in the security improvements that we're right. making. And I, I hope folks can understand that. Uh, the, the goal of being cryptic is you know, we, we want the podcast to go out as broadly as it can uh, to as many people as it can, but we, we don't want to just be like, hey, the code to get in the building is, you know, 8675309. Mm-hmm. Um, you're welcome. I'm sure for some of you, that's going to be stuck in the head the rest of your day. But <laughs> that being said, um, and if that was someone's code, wouldn't that be a great code? Like every day, you're just kind of like bebopping in. Sorry, <laughs> there goes my head again. There's got to be one person who has that. Yeah. So that being said, um, the idea though with security is, is we, we did an assessment in the spring, um, actually the, the day of the, the, the Nashville event um, that, that was so tragic. Um, we actually had someone on site doing a security assessment. Um, an assessment it involves um, kind of establishing some goals, uh, doing an on site uh, look through, seeing how we operate, and then moving forward, what are the things that need to be enhanced, mm-hmm. both from a macro and a micro level. So a macro level might be um, reroute the entire carpool um, and, and entryways and, and things that could cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to a micro, which is like, hey, make sure that people are wearing lanyards in the building. So spend 50 bucks and, and get lanyards. So right. there, there's all sorts of things. That being said, we went through it. Um, there were some there were some uh, external improvements that, that we're in the process of making. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some internal improvements that we just need to codify. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things like if we do have a tragedy, it doesn't have to be um, something that necessarily involves a life threat um, mm-hmm. uh, of any sort. But if we had, let's say a fire, or we had um, even an earthquake or, or something goes on mm-hmm. with the building, where are our reunification points? Where are we going to go and where should parents go and, and how do we do that? Um, so a couple of things that I'll, I'll just share very briefly on this. Number one, um, we still have an, an awesome partnership with Town & Country Police. They yes. want it, we want it, it's, it's awesome. Um, we have been working some uh, with different uh, law enforcement agencies in the area. Um, I actually had a meeting today with an FBI agent, and um, this FBI agent, who is not a parent at the school, 
to, just to be clear, she had, she had never been here. She works with schools. She's, she's been in, in several uh, very interesting uh, events that throughout her career said this is one of the safest schools I've ever seen. Wow. Uh, both from a procedural standpoint as well as just things that we have in place. Mm -hmm. um, from the eyes that, that we have through our cameras um, and our recording system uh, all the way through just some of the policies and procedures. So it was really encouraging. That being said, when you get encouragement, um, sometimes it, it, it can be uh, very human uh, of us to, to rest on those laurels. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be. Um, we're actually looking at, at different ways to improve and to make sure that, that we um, increase the security without it becoming so institutionalized that our mm -hmm. kids feel like they're being trapped instead of in right. enjoying the space that they're in. Right. I think that's one of the unexpected blessings of the year was how much the kids loved the security officers. I mean, oh, they yeah. are oh, yeah. they are well loved here and they, they, are. they love the students. So that's really neat to see. Um, a lot of feedback in the survey asked, will we have officers at the school more often than we do now? Yeah. So the big thing there is the way this works and the way it works across St. Louis County is we send we send our, our schedule of days um, mm -hmm. to it. So, hey, Monday through Friday and here are the hours. Um, or if we're off on a Friday or Monday, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll let them know. And then the department signs up and they say, yeah, hey, we, we want to come and, and do this. And the way uh, it works with the scheduling for the officers is they're actually not working for town and country police that day, mm -hmm. but they're able to show up in their town and country vehicle in their town and country uniform, and they're working for Kirk Day School um, with all the benefits therein of being a town and country police officer. Uh, that doesn't happen every single day. That's that's normal that, you know, if you go to a store and you're like, some days there's a, there's a police officer there, some days there's not. Mm -hmm. uh, these guys are going through um, state and federal training that it, that is required of officers. It's way more than what you would see at maybe a mall or some type of other uh, security force. Mm -hmm. So that is the level that, that, that we're getting. Um, we want to be competitive in our pay. We want to make sure that this is a place where they want to work and it's more than just pay. It's, it's how do we treat the officers? What, what kind of relationship do we have with them? Um, so there's a lot of levels to that. And I would say, you know, our goal is to, if anything, have the same amount, if not more, uh, hours for these officers mm. than, than what they experienced last year. Yeah, that's great. It's really exciting. Yeah, it's and it's fun. It's fun to know these guys. Uh, it's, it is. And we've developed some relationships over the years and it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. OK, so we're moving on to the next category of survey questions surrounding faculty. So overwhelmingly very positive, especially some shout outs to, you know, veteran teachers like Mrs. Schaffner. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we just have a great bunch of teachers here and parents seem to recognize that too. But there is, on the other hand, some maybe anxiety or apprehension towards the new bunch of teachers yeah. and how we're equipping them, how we're preparing them. Um, so can you just speak to a little, speak a little bit to how we coach them and prepare them for the new year, the yeah. new teachers? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is, this is an area we're, we're recording this just so, you know, in my office. Um, and I think some people have seen the, the podcast equipment kind of hovering in the background uh, before, but even on the whiteboard of my office, I've got a whole outline right now of a 90 day transition plan. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to come to Kirk day school? And what does this look like? And, uh, and I will say this, uh, I've seen us do a really poor job of onboarding teachers and I've seen us do a really great job. Mm -hmm. And, uh, education is is such a funny deal because there there's a, an ethos where people don't want it to feel like a corporate job. They don't want it to feel like, hey, welcome, it's your first day, sit in this room, watch this video, and right. 
and welcome to Kirk Day School and this is your safety and employee training. Mm -hmm. But with a, with a school and a culture, there's so many implicit and explicit things that, that are expected of people. And we want to make sure that, that we can give them as much of the explicit and implicit as possible. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like for new faculty? Well, the, f the first thing that, that I would say is every new faculty member uh, is assigned a mentor. And this mentor is not somebody that it's like, hey, what's my copy code again? That's not really what we're talking about. It's somebody that, that is there to prayerfully, uh, spiritually um, assist them throughout their first year mm -hmm. of what does it look like to teach with a Christian worldview? What does it look like to point these things back to Jesus? Or um, even if it's if a subject matter that is not directly pointed at Jesus, that we can teach in a spirit in a way that reflects the ethos of our theology mm -hmm. um, that, that can be scripturally um, sound. And so we want to we want to we want to do that and put people in their path that they can lean on and trust and grow and fail with. Mm -hmm. Frankly, um, I'd say the second thing uh, that that we do is that we have our coaching initiative. Um, right. You know, we, we talked about the the survey of of having feedback and and improving on that. Well, um, it's really interesting uh, because one of the best things that that you can have for teachers in a Christian school, a secular school, public school, wherever that is, mm -hmm. is to give them a learning coach and to give them immediate feedback and to give them peer observers. So I'll give you a, a quick example of what that looks like. Um, last year, every teacher had a, had a learning coach. Uh, typically they were around our department chairs. Uh, every teacher's in a department that, that uh, consists of different grade levels. And so uh, our departments are early childhood, which is kindergarten and below, first and second, third and fourth is middle elementary, and then fourth, uh, uh, fifth and sixth, excuse me, mm -hmm. our upper elementary. And then we also have our um, our ESS department as well. But that being said, um, we have our departments, you have a learning coach, you have your, your mentor, and we're going in and out of classrooms observing teachers. We're watching them teach and we're giving them feedback within 24 hours so that they can they can do that. Um, mm -hmm. They can make the improvements that they need and we're tracking that. Um, it's not for a gotcha moment. It's not this big test. It's it's feedback that that helps them get better at their craft mm -hmm. and, and, and that allows them to think more deeply about their pedagogy. Likewise, um, last year we started where it was myself and Debbie McCracken, uh, Jennifer Rush and Diane A. when we were going in and we were, we were looking at these teachers and what they were doing and giving them feedback. And that was great. But then we shifted it to where we were going in with department chairs. By the end of it, it would just be two teachers. They have a plan. They have a planning period, or their kids are at PE. Mm -hmm. They're going in to watch a colleague of theirs and giving good feedback. And it's a lot safer than if I go in and they're like, "Well, my boss said that I need to start doing this." Well, that's one opinion, and now they they have a peer feedback loop that, that's giving them that feedback. Um, so that's that's a huge thing. That's a big program. Last thing that I'll say uh, that, that we're doing this year, Chad Townsley, who is one of the uh, assistant pastors here at the Kirk of the Hills. Uh, he is going to be leading an intro to the Kirk class, which is what our new members go through at Kirk of the Hills Church. Mm -hmm. uh, he and I will tag team that of really an intro to the Kirk and intro to KDS. What does it look like to teach with a Reformed theology? So what is Reformed theology? What are we teaching in the pulpit? What does it look like to be um, a part of a, a ministry of this church? And then what does it look like to exercise that with something that is 30 years old and something that is both f has a fixed point in our theology and beliefs, but also a flexible uh, aspiration and what we're doing to change and adapt to a new generation of learners. Mm -hmm. So we'll be, we'll be unpacking that, but it's a lot. Uh, these 90 day transition plans have very specific goals um, or more aspirational goals. 
Um, I know there, there's an email uh, going out uh, either before or after this podcast, uh, so you can be on the look for it from the head of faculty. Before the pod, before you hear this podcast, oh, you will have read the email, and that that's going to go out. So I would say reference reference what Debbie says, uh, and and it, I think you know our goal is for these faculty to be successful, and you know one of the things that uh, someone taught me is. It, when we hire a faculty member, it should be the last job they ever take. Mm. Not that they've already reached the mountaintop of their skills and so they, they need to just keep doing what they're doing, but that we put them in a place to highlight their skills and to give them the freedom to expand their skills so that they can become a better and better teacher. And, and that part really excites me. Um, it's a challenging thing and I would say that's probably the number one uh, focal point I want for our faculty this year is how do we continue to get better and grow? because. It's a very personal thing to critique someone's teaching style. Right. It's very personal. Um, some of it is your personality. Some of it may feel like this is how God created me. Mm -hmm. Some of it is the way that you were shaped. And if you think about, you know, this is an easy thing in education, think about the teachers that impacted you, right? It's not the assignment that they gave, but it's the way that they engaged with you. Absolutely. Right. Um, and it's funny because I typically think of probably one of the most impactful teachers in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, was was Mr. Keating. Um, Tell us more. Yeah, Mr. Keating, uh, he's from Dead Poets Society. It's the Robin Williams character. Oh, man, missed opportunity. Yeah. You just sneak those in so yeah, well. I know, I know, it's right? it's a skill. Uh, it's a gift. When I was in band in high school, Mr. Holland was one of the best, <laughs> right? It's like, but, but I say that because <laughs> we get to see these teachers play out in movies, right? You have like a Ben Stein and Ferris Bueller's Day Off right. to, to the Robin Williams character. And they bring life to the classroom. They right. bring passion and zeal and not everyone is created that way, but there's certain things that we want our teachers learning about themselves and learning about their craft that they can do really, really well. And there's some of the best teachers um, can be some of the quietest people mm -hmm. and some of the most vibrant people can be bad teachers as well. But what are we doing in the gifting that God has created that person? God didn't make a mistake in the way he created you know, teacher blank. Mm -hmm. So how are we how are we using those gifts and and how are we shepherding them and stewarding them to make sure that those gifts are being resourced well? Right. Yeah. Um that's great. And we're sorry, they got really deep and and movie deep. Movie deep. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. And it it's hard to, you know, from a parent perspective when I when I put my mind in their when I put myself in their perspective, I can see how it would be a little daunting to have a new group of teachers. You know, you care so much about your child and their education and you just want to make sure that they're equipped and ready before the new year. And we are here to tell you a lot of equipping and a lot of coaching is going on in the background. Yeah. Um, so right now it's, it's July 20th is when we're recording this. So I'll, I'll pull the curtain back. Don't ignore <laughs> the man behind the curtain, another movie. Um, you know, maybe we could do like a bingo card sometime. I need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be bad. Um, that being said, it's July 20th right now. Uh, we have had, uh, two orientations already take place for new faculty. Uh, one was more group oriented in the sense that they came in, um, we were kind of walking them through the day and, and really giving them kind of a, a toe dip to, to check the temperature of the school water. Mm -hmm. uh, back in June, um, they're coming in in the month of July and working with, uh, their, teaching partner or their mentor and they're they're unpacking curriculum they're going to come back in august and we'll do more of a, a logistics day-to-day -day. what is renweb how are we using right. these things but 
you know, we, we're, we're schlepping out computers. We're making sure email addresses are, are, are opened and checked and, and we're staying on it. And uh, they're moving into their rooms. They have some materials. They're buying some new materials. We want them to come in. And when you experience that, that teacher in that classroom, we want them to feel prepared. And, um, and we, we want to make sure that they are a part of a great childhood for your child. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. I right. do not expect every new hire, every new person to be the best teacher that your child ever had. I hope that. Right. I do, but that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that every year that teacher gets better. Mm-hmm. What I do want is to make sure that every single teacher has a part of a good childhood. And and I'll tell you this, when growing up in, in, in the little town that I did, there were certain teachers that, that were really good and there were certain teachers that just had really bad reputations. And mm-hmm. my second grade teacher, Mrs. Roberts, oh, she was a mean teacher by repute. <laughs> oh, nobody wanted Mrs. Roberts. That woman was wonderful. Oh. And she was sweet. And she, you know what? She was the oldest one. Like, she may have been the oldest teacher in the building. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember. But, you know, everybody was old to me when you're in second grade. Right. And there's certain things that I remember distinctly about her and about second grade and how wonderful she was. Mm-hmm. even though the reputation was that she was strict in me and, and no, she wasn't. I mean, that she was wonderful. And there were other teachers. And I mean, I remember I really wanted a couple of teachers that I thought were going to be great and they were not great years. Um, right. And, and so um, I would say if you're a parent and you're going in, you do have one of our new teachers know this, they're being well-trained. They're being held well accountable um, for, for this. Um, we put them through a rigorous process. We talked about that in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is this, if, if, if you have that, let your family's experience be your own narrative. Don't let other people's experience be, be your narrative. Mm. Let it be for That's your good. child. If your child is happy and delighting and, and those things, man, don't let somebody else um, bring, bring you down. Um, because sometimes that does happen and we never know. Um, but I, that, that's a little bit preachy. So I, I apologize for that, but that is a, that is a big thing. And that's something that I've learned both as an administrator and frankly, as a parent, right. um, over the years. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, okay. Moving on to the next section of the survey, probably the, the section with the most feedback was of course, academics, the meat and potatoes of what we do here. And that's right. Yep. We are a school. Um, and a lot of anecdotal feedback, some really positive feedback, but I think the main feedback that was confusing for parents is academic intervention. Yeah, We're gonna yeah. dive into it. A question on the survey was, do you know the process for academic intervention? And there were a lot of no's and a lot of confusion on that. So we wanna talk about it. We wanna clarify academic enrichment, but also academic intervention if you need additional resources. So. Taylor, can you speak to academic intervention? What is the process for academic intervention? Oh boy. All right. So academic intervention. So let, let's define two things to start. The first thing is, is there's a difference between academic intervention and academic enrichment. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear about that. Um, and, and there are a lot of different terminologies in schools. Like there's back to school night or a parent's night, and then there's an open house and there, there's different things. And you know, when I was a kid, open house meant mom and dad went to school and they met the teacher and they mm-hmm. went through it. Now it's a parent's night. Open house means more for admissions, for independent schools. Mm-hmm. So some other school may may define these things differently, but this is how we define these at Kirk Day School. Intervention is for a student that needs um, some type of process in place 
to assist them to, to meet the level where, where we feel like they, they should be or if they're, they're struggling, right? So intervention mm-hmm. is to intervene to help them um, be better, essentially. Right. Enrichment really is to undergird support to come alongside and to say, how are we helping? Them? They're, they're already doing okay here, but how mm-hmm. do we help them do even better? Or maybe it's a child is really delighting in a particular subject, a particular interest, how can we help them delight even more in that mm-hmm. subject? Um, and so I would say those are those are two very distinct things. So yes. you say, hey, my kid's doing really well in math. They've got all A's in math. Uh, they have for a few years. Their standardized test scores are doing well. And you say, well, yeah, we, we love to help enrich them. And your kid's going, that sounds miserable. Maybe don't enrich them. Mm. That's okay. Right. The tough math will come. It will. That's true. Um, I, I mean, it will, it will happen. On the other hand, um, you have a kid who really is doing well in math. Maybe, maybe they're an A minus or, or even a B plus student. Um, maybe they've been testing. They have, they have a, a real gift in it. Um, and, and gifting's a whole nother thing, mm-hmm. but they are really pining for more. Right. And they're saying, are, are really, and it becomes a, a, almost a family frustration for you. Mm-hmm. That's when I would say, Let's have that conversation of how do we enrich? Yes. How do we really come alongside? Um, it is okay, and I, th- I think this is this is something that that I would say. Um, it is really okay for your kid to be bored. Mm. It is okay for them to do well in school. Um, not everything is going to be sports and say, all right, it's time to level up. It's time to level up or, or next level, next next challenge. Maybe maybe for your family, <laughs> is there a time where you can say we're just going to enjoy success? Um, that's not to say you don't want your child still studying and doing well. Those things will happen. But I would say watch the emotional um, bandwidth for your child. I think we're, we're very quick. And I mean, I, I, the Clement family falls into this all the time. I, I remember Katie and I made this pledge. We're not going to do more than one sport at a time. Mm. That first year we found ourselves in two sports at, at the same time. It, it happens. It, it, it's hard. So how do we how do we do that? Um, well for our kids. So that's kind of the enrichment side. Remember, we offer a lot of different enrichment opportunities. Some of the enrichment from an academic side happens in the classroom. It's talking with the teacher. They have special projects. They have other things that maybe the whole class doesn't do, but this deepens the child's understanding of what they're learning. It could be through chess club, a music class. It could be through something that um, is more of a scheduled opportunity that is in addition to mm-hmm. the, the average schooling that, that your child would get. Right. So I would say that that's going to be more of an enrichment piece. Yes. But then there's the intervention piece. Right. So let's, let's spend a minute there. Is that cool? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm checking with Reagan just to make sure that I'm not <laughs> going too far. She, she, she kind of keeps me tethered here. The, the idea with, with the academic intervention, um, I think is, is really, uh, for, for most parents, this initiation question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the best way that I would, that I would put it is you have to look at first from a short versus a long struggle. And, and, and that's, that's kind of a, a thing that I think is, is a little different um, than maybe what we're used to. For me, I run out of batteries, I hop on my phone, get on Amazon, search, see the best deal, when can it be here, boom, I order it, and hey, you know what, it's fixed, cool. But if it's something where um, something is constantly dying out, mm-hmm. I may not need new batteries, I might need a whole new product. Right. So if it's coming to our children, which are much more complex and much more emotive, and we can do much more harm uh, than, than we need to, if your child has constantly struggled at reading, you look back at kindergarten, you look back maybe at first grade, second grade, and you go, yeah, they, they've always really struggled with reading. 
they may have been able to play catch up because the the depth of the learning wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. And by third grade, they go from learning how to read to reading in order to learn. And you say, wow, now I'm really seeing that gap. Mm-hmm. That's really coming. Maybe there does need to be some more um, academic intervention for my child. And it may not be forever. It may just be for two or three years and right. then they're back on path. But I think a lot of times we're afraid that something's wrong with our kid, mm. which says that there's something wrong with us. It's going to cost a ton of money. That's not how this works. That's not always how this works. I can promise you. Right. We have a reading resource teacher. We have plenty of resources right here within the school. We have plenty of people that we partner with that are, that are great, that are going to help in these things. Mm. Um, the second thing is, is we want to be proactive with this. Um, with you. So a lot of times we're already monitoring those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Some parents go, hey, why is my kid not doing as well as they used to? Well, your kid may, they may be looping into a time of their life where they're not going to be as academically successful as they once were, Mm. or they may not be as successful now as they will be. Uh, I remember the first time I made straight A's wasn't until fourth grade. And then I remember I was a B student really throughout middle school and high school. I made, I made A's. But I made plenty of Bs. Mm -hmm. But something clicked my junior year of high school, and I finished out with all A's in college. And the higher I got in my my thinking um, and through graduate school, I did better and better. Mm. Uh, My best grade in college was in Russian history. Wow. Yeah. Why? That is a class you would take. Well, yeah, I did. I did love it. But (laughs) why? But but I can tell you a class I made a C in, Mm -hmm. biblical perspectives. Wow. Yeah. Tough. Right. So biblical, my Bible class, I made a C in and Russian history I made an A in. That, should, that shouldn't add up for a guy that's ahead of a Christian school. But right. the idea that, and I, I put that out there, we all learn differently. Right. And it is okay. It's okay to ebb and flow mm-hmm. uh, through those things. But our, but our student intervention, our teachers are monitoring this. And we have what's called a student success team. And it's, it's our SST process. The SST process is, is led by Debbie McCracken, but a teacher can initiate it, a parent can initiate it, um, or, or admin or someone else. But the goal is to circle, kind of circle the wagon, take a, a snapshot of the student, and we have a discussion. If we need to make any immediate interventions, we will. And then we monitor that for a period of time before we make any more adjustments. But a lot of this is teacher-driven, and parents are informed of that. And it's a way just to say, hey, we're seeing this, we're not gonna make a huge change yet. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not giving an opinion about, about medicines, but what I know is working with all these kids and things, you have different kids who have different needs. And if a child is on medication, mm-hmm. you have, uh, they, they go to the doctor, the doctor says, hey, I wanna put you on you know, this medication and we're gonna give it four weeks. Needs two weeks to kick in, we're gonna monitor and see how they're doing. And if they take them off, they're gonna slow it off then they're going to ramp something else back up. But it takes time, and academic intervention is very similar. It takes time to ramp up and ramp off. Right. I think it's easy to just want a quick fix or a simple solution, but this team is in place to have a sustainable process to help your kid benefit the best way they need and, and get the resources they need. We're not going to let your kid fail. Right. Simple as that. We're not going to let your kid fail. It mm-hmm. does you no good and us no good. And they're, they're, even though we don't take a Hippocratic oath, this is essentially of our, our Hippocratic oath. How do we come alongside you and help your child succeed? And it may be exceeding at a gifted level. It may be exceeding or succeeding with some remedial help. Mm-hmm. But regardless, we have things in place that, that we're going to do. And if it's not within, you know, 12928 Ledoux Road, 
then we might say, hey, go see, you know, someone like Agnes Mayo, who we've worked with for years, who's mm-hmm. a phenomenal resource. Or it may be, hey, we, we know Julie Clark, who's um, who's an OT uh, occupational therapist who, who does amazing work with kids. And we say, hey, see, see her. There are so many things and in, in, in relationships we have in place that we can come alongside and say, we're not going to let your kid fail. Mm. Um, we're sending people all across the country um, doing Zooms, doing whatever we can mm-hmm. um, to make sure that we're con- continually learning and exploring because every kid's created uniquely and right. wonderfully. Right. And so how, do, how we support you guys is absolutely uh, huge, but we are here to be a school. Right. And we're here to teach Christianly, and, and, but that still means we're teaching. Right. So just to clarify the question of how do you proceed with academic intervention, whether that's extra resource or enrichment, would you say that the first stop on that train would be the classroom teacher? I'll, always. 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 If it's discipline, mm-hmm. classroom teacher. If it is academics, classroom teacher. If you say, hey, I've noticed that, you know, Johnny's math test, it's always Johnny. Johnny's a terrible student, Johnny. by the way. Yeah. Right? Poor Johnny. I know. I don't know if we, you know. Do we have a Johnny? I, I don't. I, we have some. We, we need have, to fact check this. We, we have Johns. I just don't know if we call any, any kid Johnny. So that being said here, Johnny, another movie, another movie. <laughs> Three that, in one podcast. Yeah, there we go. Um, so that being said, if if Johnny's been struggling, you get that Friday folder as a parent and you're going, oh yeah, bad math grade, bad math grade, bad math grade. Reach out to the teacher and say, hey, I'm noticing a pattern. Mm-hmm. My kid has, is having bad math grades. Or I noticed that on the report card, my child had a C on their, their report card. Mm-hmm. That is that is not acceptable for, for our child. He hasn't been working. What else is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would challenge a parent, mm-hmm. sweetly, be curious, not judgmental, because one bad grade on, on your child's report card will not prevent them from getting into the school of your choice when they leave here. Right. That's good. But reach out to the teacher and how can that teacher intervene? How can that teacher help? And then if that teacher needs more resources, she'll bring in the student success team. Right. Um, and so always start with that classroom teacher. They're they your number one fan. They're the number one gatekeeper on these things. Mm-hmm. Um, they know your child best. Right. And and that that is a huge goal is for every child to be known and loved. And these teachers do it really well. Right. Woo. I know this is a lot. It's a lot. And but can, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, we're not going to go through every question on the survey, but we just wanted to go over the things that parents were repeating over and over again. Um, you're happy with security. You had questions about faculty and academics, and I hope that this podcast was helpful and just gives a little more light to some of our processes in place um, and improvements that we're making um, in the next school year. We truly value parent opinions so much. I mean, you know, you just need to see places where you have holes and they're graciously sharing where we're doing well and where we need to improve. And we're very grateful for that feedback. Yeah. And, and I would say uh, as a community of parents, no, we do value you. We do value your feedback. We can't change everything immediately. There, there's so many different ripple or domino effects, but we want to change. We want to get better. Um, and th- there's a family, they're no longer at the school. They, they moved away years ago. And, and I, was, I was talking with a board member about this family. And I remember the mom of the family used to give me feedback all the time. Mm-hmm. And she was such a sweet person to hear feedback from because it was real and it was good. It was good, critical feedback, but it was always in a spirit to how can we help you get better? Mm. And, and it never felt like, Hey, you're failing as a person. Mm-hmm. And, and I say this because I, sometimes 
when it is it is your life's work and your child is not and, and the child is not happy mm-hmm. um it can come across really personal to to a teacher and so when we send these surveys out help us get better it, it depersonalizes it it allows us to process that uh, much better mm-hmm. it allows the teachers to find opportunities to get better and so I would say uh, keep those going and and Reagan and I will be working on sending more out and getting more feedback from you. Right. Yeah. We're so thankful for your feedback. That's all we have for this podcast. Are you sure? I think we're done. That's all folks. Is that, is that's that, all is that folks. Okay. All right. Well then we'll go, but we'll be back soon. And so Reagan, thanks for all that parents. Thanks for your feedback. <laughs>